Notice with me this wonderful morning, John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the Lord wants all of us to be free, as free as he himself is, free from bondage, free from sin, free from darkness, free from fear, free from anything that is not of God. But it's not just the truth that sets a man free. It's knowing the truth. Hallelujah. And we will not know the truth, not the way we need to know it, unless we are abiding in his word. He said, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples and you will know the truth, you see. So to abide means to remain with or to continue in. So occasionally reading the Bible or maybe hearing the word of God preached once a month, that's not sufficient. That's not continuing. That's not abiding. The word abide also means to reside or dwell in. So none of us will be able to live the kind of life that Jesus purchased for us, that God planned for us, unless we not only live in the word, but live by the word. It's getting real quiet. We need to be totally immersed in the Word of God. Amen. The Bible does not compare the Word to cake, something that you eat on a special occasion. It's compared to bread, something you have every day. Can I get an amen? And the implication in this verse is that to be free, you must not only know the truth, you must accept it. You must accept it. That's the clear implication. So if believing the truth sets a man free, the truth of God's word, then believing a lie keeps him bound. Every area of bondage in your life can be traced to deception. If you are bound in some area with something that is not from the Lord, that means you have believed a lie. And it's, 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 it's obvious that the devil's number one weapon against a Christian is deception. No wonder the Apostle Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And the first thing he mentions is the belt of truth. It all begins with the truth of God's word. What is truth? His word is truth. Anybody out there today? So God wants us to be free. Look at your neighbor one more time and, says, and say, he wants us to be free. That's an amen. One thing, there are many things we could talk about, but our time is limited. One thing God wants us to be free from is addiction. So I feel led in my heart to go this direction today. And I don't know that I've ever preached this before. An addiction is usually thought of as self-destructive behavior. That a person is seemingly 
unable to stop. It's a bad habit that one finds nearly impossible to quit. Addictions produce short-term pleasure with long-term pain. And it's what psychologists call obsessive-compulsive behavior. Obsessive-compulsive behavior. What that means is it is a person who is controlled, governed by an irresistible urge to satisfy a craving for something, for something that is not helpful, something that is not good, even to the point where that person's life is consumed with that thing and he cannot function without it. So often what begins as an experiment ends up becoming a way of life. So addiction is a harmful and unholy dependency. Depending on something you should not be involved with at all. Hallelujah. And it is estimated that one in three persons has some form of an addiction. So if it's not on your left, if it's not on your right, I'm so glad you're here this morning. <laughs> now, truthfully, there, there, there are all kinds of addictions. There are gambling addictions. There are addictions to pornography. Somebody said that's the, the white elephant in the room nobody wants to talk about. There are addictions to tobacco. And even innocuous or, in other words, otherwise good things, when pushed to an unhealthy extreme, can become an addiction. Did you know that? Even things that are otherwise fine, but you push it beyond the boundary, way beyond where it should be. It becomes a disorder. It becomes an unhealthy obsession. It becomes an addiction. For example, uh, eating, and don't look at me like that. It's okay to eat. But, you know, some people, they, get to, uh, they think that, that food is, is, where, is where they find comfort, right? Some people, they, they eat comfort food. When they're discouraged, they eat a cake. Now, that's not my problem. I just, I just happen to be big-boned. And then even, I was surprised to learn this, even exercising can be an addiction. Obviously, I've been delivered from that. I got a big response on that one. Shopping. We don't know how many women here are shopaholics. <laughs> the men can testify, but we don't have time. Praise the Lord. But without a doubt, the most common addiction that even some Christians wrestle with is alcohol and drugs. Countless lives have been ruined by the use of narcotics and liquor. And while the situation in Northeast India, in my opinion, has improved in more recent times, still there are many people who are imprisoned by a chemical dependency. Probably, if we were to ask, we would discover that probably every family in Nagaland, or maybe extended family, has one drug addict. And everybody here probably knows someone who has a drinking problem. 
And you don't have to look at me like a bunch of Presbyterian deacons. I know it's true. We all know it's true. Amen. Now, I appreciate the effort uh, and the activities of various NGOs, various rehab treatment centers. In fact, we, uh, uh, the, our young people have been involved in, in, in partnering with them and, and helping them, and that, that's wonderful. But today, I would like to offer you some solutions from God's Word to break the power of addiction. And, and, and this may not be you, but hopefully this message will equip you to better minister to your friends and loved ones who are struggling with some form of addiction, whether it's a chemical addiction or some other kind of addiction. Hopefully this message will give you some tools to be better prepared to deal with it. Are you here today? All right. When you say amen, it's okay. Number one, know this. You are not alone. You are not alone. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then again, James chapter 3, verse 2 says this, writing to believers, for we all stumble in many ways. And what does that mean? Is that we fall short. We must first recognize this. This is a good place to begin. There are no perfect people in this world and no flawless Christians this side of glory. If you're perfect, would you please raise your hand? We'll go ahead and give the altar call and get you saved because you're a liar. Some men are tempted to raise their hand, but their wife pulled the hand back down. Amen. And the reason I'm saying this is often those who are struggling with a drug addiction, they feel the scorn and contempt of society. They feel that everybody's looking down on them. Their family may have disowned them or rejected them, or maybe they're ashamed of them. Friends, you know, have labeled them. And, uh, you know, and, and so they, they just feel like, I'm, I'm just a bad person. And there's no hope for me. And the guilt and the shame they bear is as crippling as the actual addiction. So the truth is this. We just got to be honest. The truth is all believers, and that would be those who are present today and those online, all believers have weaknesses. That means they have areas in their life where they are more susceptible to temptation. In other words, there are some things that you wouldn't be tempted with at all, but there might be another area where that's a soft spot for you. Now, some people have weakness for alcohol and drugs, but that's not the only thing. There, there are others who have soft spots or weaknesses for greed, gambling, or gossip. That can be just as bad. Just because you are contending with illicit drug usage, it doesn't mean you have no worth as a human being. It doesn't mean there's no hope for you. That's not true. That's not true. And you may have a weakness in one area. You may be struggling in, in one area, and that's why we're having this message. But you may be strong in other areas where others are weak. 
See, I, uh, there are those who have a weakness for booze, but, I mean, there's some people, but they're generous. I know people that they have, they have, they have a blind spot. They, they, they struggle. That's true. But one positive point is they're very generous. They, the person would give you his shirt off his back. And I know other people who never touch the stuff. And they're also the stingiest people on God's green earth. They wouldn't give a dying man in the desert a cup of water. But see, society typically doesn't look with scorn on stingy people. That's just a fact of life. Well, God doesn't look too favorably on stingy people. The offering's over, so go ahead and relax. Amen. Praise the Lord. So my point is this. Everybody has issues. Everybody I know is dealing with something. Now, see, some people, they don't have a problem with alcohol drugs, but they have a problem with worry. I've known some people who are world champion warriors, gold medal warriors. Not warriors, warriors. They worry about everything. They worry themselves. You can die sooner from worry than you can from tobacco. I'm not saying either one is right. I'm saying it's so easy to just point the finger at somebody else and not realize, well, you may have some issues too in your life. Here, brother, let me remove that speck from your eye. <laughs> you got a truckload of Fanta in your eye, buddy. <laughs> Amen. Come on, if you're quiet, you look guilty. Somebody say something. Nobody is really normal. See, the thing is, the enemy would lie to you and tell you, you see, you're bad. You're the one who's bad. Everybody else is just living the good life, praise the Lord. They all love Jesus perfectly and walking in perfect holiness. But you're the one. You're the bad one. That's a lie. Everybody is dealing with something. Nobody's normal. I mean, maybe Pastor Jeffy, but everybody else is dealing with something. She's dealing with me. You know, so <laughs> that's the cross she bears. Hallelujah. And... All of us are at different levels of spiritual growth and maturity. And it's really not fair to criticize somebody who got saved last month when you've been walking with the Lord for 42 years. I mean, when, when you first got saved, you probably didn't do as well as they're doing right now. So that's not fair. Amen. Amen. Let me read to you a scripture, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, in the easy-to-read version. It says, I don't mean that I'm exactly what God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal. But I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. That's what Christ Jesus wants me to do. It is the reason he has made me his so think about that. Even this great man of God, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not perfect. So if he had shortcomings, we tend to think maybe you and I have them too. Hallelujah. He knew he had not yet arrived. But that's not the end of the story. But he was not content to stay where he was. 
See, some people, they read scriptures like this and they say, that's right, I'm not perfect either. I have shortcomings too. I'm just like the Apostle Paul. Well, you're not exactly like the Apostle Paul because he said, I'm not perfect, but... I press on. There's a difference. He realized that he was not all he could be, but he was not content to stay there. Hallelujah. So recognizing that everyone has shortcomings does not give you permission to live the low life. Amen. It doesn't give you permission to stay hooked on drugs. Hallelujah. Let me read another scripture to, to you. Romans 8.1. Here you go. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now see, we love to apply that scripture to ourselves, but we are not so eager to apply it to others. But the, the, even the Christian who's struggling in these areas, he's in Christ just as you are. Maybe he should be living a better life. But then again, maybe you should too. There's no condemnation. God has not forsaken you, has not forsaken that person. He loves you with an everlasting love, not because you are good, but because he is good. That doesn't give us permission to sin. In fact, knowing this helps us to overcome sin. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen? Can I get a real amen from anybody here today? Number two, Jesus is greater than addiction. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward. I'm wondering. There it is. Thank you. A little slow there. Please hurry up. Jesus is greater than addiction. Let me read to you Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You just need to know this. The power of Christ is greater than any addiction. The anointing of the Holy Spirit can destroy every yoke. And there is nothing too difficult for God. Friends, those are not just meaningless religious cliches that's the truth and you need to believe it that's a good place to start that my case is not too hard for the Lord friends if God can raise the dead I know he can deliver you from drugs or alcohol hallelujah even if you've been in and out of rehab, even if they, they've turned you away and say, we don't want you to come back, even if your family has no hope in you that you'll ever be clean again, God has not given up on you. While you breathe, there's hope for you. You need to know that. Now, let me say this to you. In Luke chapter 13, verse 11 Jesus healed a woman who had, a, the Bible says, a spirit of infirmity. Now, this is a physical condition. She was bent over and could not stand erect. But her condition was not merely physical. There was a spiritual dimension to her illness. 
In fact, verse 16 in the same chapter, chapter 13, says that Satan had bound her for 18 years. In the same way, there is a spiritual aspect to addiction. It isn't always just a physical problem or a mental issue. Often, often there are demonic forces involved. And the saying is this. The old saying is never bring a knife to a gunfight. Likewise, you cannot deal with spiritual battles with only natural weapons. Are you out there today? People can be helped with various treatment like detox and counseling, and, and that's fine. But what I'm telling you, often something more is required than that because man is not just a physical being or not just a mental being. He's a spiritual being. And it is the power of God that can smash their chains. I heard the story about one man in America. He was in the Navy, the U.S. Navy, and he started drinking. He became addicted to drink. And the Navy put him through several rehabilitation programs, and he came out drinking. And so his life was really in a mess. And in desperation, he happened to attend one of Brother Hagin's meetings. And... Uh, he had known, this man had known the Lord at a young age but had fallen away. He's basically backslidden. And so he renewed his fellowship with God after you know, so many years. And then Brother Hagin prayed for people, you know, laying hands on them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this man said, I don't really know all about all that's going on right now, but I need help. So I'm going to go down there and have him lay hands on me. But, he told his friend seated next to him, but I'm not going to fall down on the ground like those other people did. He said, next thing I knew, the usher was picking me up off the floor. And he said, uh, he said uh, first thing that happened was, uh, I, I sensed God's presence and, and I had a greater love for Jesus. I just, I just loved him more. But the second thing is, that alcohol demon was gone. And he said, I, I, the desire for drink was gone, and I, I never struggled again. So what I'm saying is, not necessarily always. There are physical things, there are mental things, but sometimes there, is, there are spiritual causes behind what's going on, and you have to deal with that. Are you out there today? So I mean, some people kind of, uh, they will say, well, we believe in a holistic approach. Well, if you do that, then you'll cover the spiritual because if you're not, then your approach is not, your treatment is not holistic. It's just partial. And you're forgetting the most important part. Amen. Hallelujah. Several years ago, one of our dear church members uh, brought with him a man who brought with him to the Sunday service, a man who was an army officer. And when I gave the altar call, this man responded. He, 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 had been, he was a Christian, but he had not been living for God. And he wanted to be restored to the Lord. And then, if I, recall, if I remember correctly, later that same evening, Sunday night, he called me on the telephone. And he sounds very desperate. And he's drunk over the telephone. And he says, my problem is drinking. Uh, my wife left me, and I began to drink. And the army, this is the Indian army, has put me through various rehabs and none of it has worked. And now I'm in trouble. They're going to discharge me, you know, that type of thing. My career is over. My life is over. And he said, please help me. 
Please help me. And over the phone, I just briefly shared with him. And by the way, the connection, it was a landline it was many years ago. The connection was very terrible, a lot of static and noise. But, but somehow, you know, I could communicate with him. And I prayed with him over the phone. The next Sunday, he came to church sober. And he smiled at me and he said, the monkey's off my back. He meant he was, he was free. And he kept coming to church. Hallelujah. And I think it was two weeks later on a Sunday morning, I, I talked about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And he was the first person who raised his hand. Yeah, that's me. And when I invited people to come forward, he's the first one to step out. And I walked toward him and just basically said, receive in Jesus' name. And this guy has been to church like our church four times, basically. And when I touched him, boom, he just hit the floor speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No, I believe the power of God can set a person free from even a lifelong addiction. I believe Jesus is stronger than any bondage in your life. And you must believe that. Hallelujah. Number three. Some of these will go a little quicker, so don't be concerned about that. Number three, trust the process. Trust the process. In John 5, 42, we read, So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Now, the reason I read that is because not everyone that Jesus ministered to was cured instantly. This is talking about the nobleman's son, all right, in John chapter 4. And it says he began to get better. He began to amend. And yet he was healed by the power of God. Now, likewise, not everyone is instantly delivered from, from drugs or alcohol. Some are. I mean, just like that. Now, see, I remember years ago, uh, one man came. This was many years ago. One man came to our church, and he basically said that people cannot be instantly delivered from drugs. And I was later talking to a friend of mine in the ministry, and he said to me, I don't agree with that statement. Because he said, I was instantly delivered from drugs. I had been on drugs most of my adult life and in prison. I got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, had a vision of Jesus. And I saw a light from heaven shining on me. And I began speaking in other tongues. And from that moment onward, I never had a desire for drugs, never even touched it anymore. So he says, I don't agree with that. I believe people can be delivered instantly. But the point I should say is this. But it, doesn't, it isn't always instantly, just like everybody wasn't always instantly healed. Amen? For most people, it is a process. But it still involves the power of God. It still involves the truth of God's word. Hebrews 6.12 says, through faith and patience. Through faith, oh, we all love that word, spirit of faith. And patience. Spirit of patience? No, I don't want to go there. Faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So what does that mean? It's not enough to believe. You must be consistent. And you got to stay in it for the long haul. Amen? You may have a lot of faith, but if you don't have any patience, you're not going to get there. So that means some things you just have to be, you have to wait. You have to stay with it. Amen? Number four. This is a colloquial expression. Call a spade a spade. What does that mean? It means tell it like it is. Call a spade a spade. The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2 that we should not be conformed to this world. 
but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Secular psychologists treat addiction, particularly chemical addictions like drugs, alcohol, they treat it as merely an illness. But the Bible says it is sin. In fact, sometimes we use, well, say he's involved in substance abuse. But see, I don't even like that expression because uh, abuse means using something the wrong way. Well, what's the right way for using marijuana? <laughs> what's the right way for using heroin? There is no right way. Not really, you see. So I don't even like that. So it, there, when people just refer to something as an illness... That removes any moral responsibility for their actions. It's not a sin to get the flu or to get malaria or get a cold. Somebody sneezed on you and now you have a sore throat. That, that's, that, that's not a choice that you made. But sin is never an accident. Sin is never a mistake. It's a choice that we make. Are you listening to me? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21... It says this, but the works of the flesh are evident. And then it goes on to list various sins. All of those things in the next two verses are all sins. They're not just issues or challenges. They're sins. And one of them says, listed among them is drunkenness. Well, that's obviously, you know, referring to alcohol, drunkenness. And then it also lists, I believe in verse 21, sorcery. Now, when you hear the word sorcery, you probably think about like some witch flying on a broomstick over the moon or something like that. But the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia. Pharmakia is where we get the word pharmacy. And the Greek word means using chemicals, using potions to alter behavior. It means using drugs. It means using drugs, you see. So instead of mislabeling addiction, well, I've got some problems. I have some challenges. I have some issues. Let's call it what it is. It's the lust of the flesh. It's sin. See, Jesus didn't die for your challenges. He didn't die for your problems. He didn't die for your issues. He died for your sin. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't be forgiven of an issue, but you can be forgiven of sin. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. All right, let's move on. Number five, I believe. Mind your mind. Mind your mind. All right, so, so all addiction, like, uh, especially like uh, drugs, alcohol, is the lust of the flesh. So what's the answer? Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not. Somebody say, you will not. Say it like, a, like, like you mean it. You will not. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you follow that inward nature of your born-again spirit, you may feel the pull, you may be tempted, but if you follow that inward nature in your spirit, because you're a child of God and the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, you will not gratify or satisfy those wrong desires. Amen? And the key to overcoming these weaknesses, these uh, uh, sinful temptations, tendencies, is to live by the Spirit. And the key to living by the Spirit is to set your mind on spiritual things. 
This verse, I think, is so important. Romans 8, 5. I think this verse just really is something that should be underlined in your Bible. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It's your mind. You can set it where you want. But you, are, but you, will, you will experience the consequences of what you choose to think about. Nikki Cruz, who famously was delivered from drugs, you know, in the, in, the, in the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. Nikki Cruz said this, you know, he was from New York City. He said, getting the drugs out of your body is not too hard. It's relatively easy. Getting the drugs off your mind is hard. See, that, that, that's really true. Getting the substance, you know, detoxing your body, that type of thing, getting sober, you know, you know your, your liver will burn out, you know, the alcohol, stuff like that. That's, that's, that's easier to do. But getting it off your mind, that's really the challenge. Now, the easiest way to let go of something is to take hold of something else. Have you ever got a song stuck in your head? Happens to me all the time. You know, like maybe Sunday morning, whatever, you know, or, or, or maybe you're just in the, in the room and someone has on, you know, their CD player or, or you know, MP3, whatever, you know, and, and here's some song playing and just, just there for a few minutes and it just gets stuck in your head and all day long. I'm a child of God. I'm going to And you're thinking, oh, come on, let's this. And then it comes back to you. I'm going to shout about it. I am a ju- just keeps replaying over and over and over again. Last, was it last Sunday they sang, you know, give me Jesus, right? And somehow that song, I don't know why, it got stuck in my head. And all week long I'm walking on, give me Jesus. Just, I mean, that's a good song to have stuck in your head. Don't misunderstand me. But after the hundredth time, you're like, can we move on, please? The simple way to stop that unending recording in your head is listen to something else the easiest thing just turn on some other music and then you'll replace that with something else amen so here's the thing fill your thoughts with God's word see it's it's almost impossible I guess women can do it but it's almost impossible to like think about three things at the same time like I said, I guess all women can do that, but I can. I don't. It's like if I think about, if I focus on this, I also can't focus on that. I have to do one or the other. So if I change my focus, I'll change my mindset. Now you are going to think about something, I hope. <laughs> Why not think about the truth of God's word? Choose your thoughts. Don't let them just happen to you. Don't let just any thought come inside your head. Be intentional in your thinking. There are some things you should not touch in your thought life. And when, it, when you're tempted or whatever, push that out of your head. It may be a little bit of a challenge, but if you keep on doing it, you'll strengthen your ability to be selective in your thoughts. The enemy wants you to focus on, come on, some, you know, some little inconvenience or maybe some little slight, and the enemy wants to amplify that and replay it and, and remind you of it. You know, like somebody looked at you funny, somebody said some little unkind word or something like that, and, and now, you know, at night you can't sleep because you're just it's going over, and, and the more you think about it, the bigger it gets. Push those thoughts out. 
One way to push it out is to speak God's word. Speak God's word. Hallelujah. In connection with this, we're talking about, you know, uh, really walking in the spirit. One, one other point that I want to mention is in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4 says this, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. So speaking in tongues is not just a badge of being a Pentecostal. You speak in tongues? I do. Okay, you're good. It's, it's more than that. It is a way that we can be edified, strengthened, built up. The Amplified Bible says he improves himself. Well, he doesn't build up his muscles. If that was the case, I would be Johnny Atlas. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't strengthen his mind because it doesn't come out of his mind. He is edified spiritually. So if you are stronger spiritually, it's easier to overcome things that are not of God. Right? So here's the thing. Don't allow yourself to get, like, spiritually weak. And that happens because we get busy, we get distracted, uh, whatever, and then we start, you know, our prayer life is neglected. And, and so I would especially encourage every believer, but especially those who are dealing with drugs or alcohol, pray in tongues. Honestly, some people want to talk to you for like hours and hours, but, and I, I'm tempted to say this, like, okay, before you come, you pray one hour in tongues and then come. Usually they don't come then. I had someone call me years ago, and, you know, like every day, over the phone, they want counseling. And finally I just said to them, I'll tell you what, you pray in tongues for like half an hour and then call me back. And they were like, what? See, it's a lot easier just to like lean on somebody else, depend on somebody else. But if you will build up your spirit, man, a lot of these problems will just melt away. Your spirit, some things... Some people don't need a miracle. They just need to grow out of it. They just need maturity, spiritual maturity. And you just, you just, you just grow out of it. The things that once were seemingly were overwhelming, later on, it's, it's not such a big deal to you. Can I get an amen? amen? Number six, it's what you say. It's what you say. In the book of James chapter 3, it, it talks about our words. Talk about the tongue. And it says if a man is able to bridle his tongue... He can control his whole body. If you will be careful with your words, you can restrain your flesh. So even if prolonged drug use has rewired your brain, you can undo that with your words. Amen. So be careful what you say. Instead of reaffirming the bondage, so this is what a lot of people do. They, they just say, well, I'm an addict, and I'll always be an addict, and that's just who I am. But that's not what God says you are. That just reinforces it. That's wrong. What you need to say is, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. and all. I mean, even if you're still using the drugs, even if you're still you know, bound with alcohol, nonetheless, this is how you get out of that. Say, I, I, I am born of God, and whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So I am an overcomer of addiction. Hallelujah. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. Nobody asked you how you felt. You need to believe the word of God. This is how you get out of the ditch you're in. This is how you get out of the trouble you're in. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And Romans chapter 6 verse 11 says that consider yourselves to be dead 
to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So since, since alcoholism and drug, illicit drug use is the lust of the flesh, it's sin, you need to say, I'm dead to drugs. Now, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, that's not true. I'm very much alive to it. That's my problem. But don't continually confess that. Say what God says about yourself. See yourself the way that God sees you. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to drugs. I'm dead to alcohol. Hallelujah. Can you, can you, can you give a dead man a joint? Here, buddy, smoke this. He just, he's dead. There's, he has no response. He, does, he, no, he, does, he, doesn't, he does, has no reaction to that stimuli. How about a bottle, buddy? You look like you could use it. He's just dead. You're dead. Your spirit, man, is dead to sin, but not just dead to sin, alive to God. So that means I'm not dead to God. I'm responsive to God. I, my sheep know my voice. I know God's voice. I know his presence. He's working in me. I know the Lord. Don't continually say things like, I don't know where God is, and I just feel like he's abandoned me. That's a lie. Stop saying what the devil has said about your life. Start saying what God says about your life. That's how you'll change it. You will control your whole body, and James says you'll steer in a new course, in a new direction. So if you don't like where you're going in life, change your words. Amen. Hallelujah. Number seven, go to the root. Go to the root. James 1.21 says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So it's not enough to receive the word. It's got to be planted in you. Like a seed planted in the soil. It's got to be planted in your heart. That sometimes takes a little bit of effort on our part. But notice he says the implanted word is able to save your souls. But James is not writing to sinners. He's writing to Christians. The word soul often refers to your mind. Which includes your will and even your emotions. And the word save in this verse, sozo, also, in other places, is translated heal or to make whole. So it would do no injustice to this verse to translate it this way. Receive the word of God, which is able to heal your mind. Which is able to heal your mind. You see, often addiction, especially like a chemical addiction like drugs, alcohol, but it could be anything. Often addiction is merely the symptom. The real trouble is in the soul. Many people, there's a lot of reasons why people do what they do, but many people turn to drugs for an escape because they can't bear to face the pain of reality. But that's not God's solution. Because when you sober up, when, when the high is over, the problem's right there. It hasn't gone anywhere. No, that changes nothing except now you've degraded yourself. Now you're in a worse position than you were. Amen? Disappointment, disappointment in life, rejection, frustration, self-pity, a sense of hopelessness, low self-esteem, guilt, and shame. These are often the root causes of addiction. So that's why a person might be doing better, like he's doing okay, and then there's a little disappointment, and they go back to the bottle. They go back to the pills. Because that has become their default response 
to disappointment. So, th so that's a, that is a self-destructive behavior. There's a better way than just being comfortably numb in life. God wants you to overcome. With his help, you can conquer the situation. You can see an improvement in your life. There can be a change in your circumstances. Amen. Hallelujah. So the word of God can save your soul. It can, it can renew your mind. It can heal your emotions. So be established in your identity in Christ. Find all the scriptures that talk about who you are in Christ. And read them. Think on them. Write them down and say, this is who I am. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. I'm born of God's spirit. Maybe it'd be good for you to write it down on a piece of paper. When you wake up in the morning, make this like your confession. This is, this make, this is my declaration today because it'll help to get it ingrained or implanted into your soul. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I got to move on. Number eight, distance and time. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.24, put away crooked speech from you and put devious talk far from you. Now, this verse is talking about profane language, but the same principle applies to drugs and alcohol. Put it far from you. Use distance and time to your advantage. Use distance and time to your advantage. If you have a, a weakness for alcohol, don't keep any alcohol in your house. If, it's, if there's any bottles in your home, in fact, by the way, even if you don't have a weakness for alcohol, when you go home, throw that stuff in the toilet. Empty it in the commode. Throw it away. If, you, if there's any drugs, throw it away. Get rid of it. You don't need it. Some people say, well, I'm not going to drink it, but, you know, sometimes you have friends. You don't need that. That's a bad testimony. That's not going to help you. If it's right there when you're lonely, discouraged, bored, frustrated, a little voice will say, here I am. Why don't you come and drink me? No, no. Use some wisdom. Stay far from it. Don't see how close you can get to the temptation without yielding to it. Stay, it's kryptonite. You may be Superman, but the alcohol is kryptonite. Stay as far away from it as you can. Some of you may need to not walk down certain streets. Like there's the booze joint. Oh, let's go here. We're going to go around this block. Why? Never, never mind. We're just, we're just not gonna. You, some of you don't go to certain parties when you know that uh, you need to say goodbye to some friends. Oh, but we've known each other since, I mean, grade school. But if this is a person that is like encouraging you or, or, or sort of like a, a suggesting that you take drugs, this is not your friend. This is a weapon from Satan disguised as a friend. Be smart. Be wise in what you do. Amen. Hallelujah. Make it your goal. If you're struggling, make it your goal one day at a time. I'm going to be clean today. That may be a big challenge. I'm not going to drink anything today. I'm not going to take anything today. One day. Just try to make that your goal. All right? Maybe it was the hardest thing in the world. But the second day will be a little bit easier. And the third day will be a little bit better. And the fourth day. It's like gravity. When these big rockets take off from the launch pad, they have these huge rocket engines that blasting away thousands and thousands of pounds of thrust. Because gravity is strongest on the surface. 
But as they, as they escape the earth's atmosphere, the pull of the earth becomes less and less and less. And eventually they, they drop all those big booster rockets and they can travel actually faster with a smaller rocket engine because the further you get away, the, the force is lessened. It's actually, it's actually squared, you know, twice as less. Hallelujah. Times itself, actually. So the same thing is regarding the temptation. The further you get away from it and the longer you're away from it, the easier it becomes for you. Amen? And if you fall, don't lay in the ground and grovel in the dust. Get up. Maybe you hear this message and you say, amen, wonderful. And then tomorrow or tonight, you go right back to it. Don't just say, well, that just proves there's no hope for me. No, it doesn't. It proves that you need some patience. Trust the process. Get up. Ask God to forgive you. He will. Ask him to give you help. He will. And keep on going. If you fall ten times, get up ten times. Hallelujah. And just keep on going. Hallelujah. Lastly, number nine. Yes, I know you're happy. Number nine. No vacancy. No vacancy. Notice the scripture, Matthew 12, 44. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Jesus said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest, finds none. And then he says, I will return to the house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds the house clean, swept, but empty. And Jesus says he takes, you know, seven demons more wicked than himself and they enter in the last condition is worse than the first the devil will always return to the place from which he was ejected he'll always come back so it's not enough to have a heart that's void of drugs it must be filled with Jesus because if your heart is not filled with the things of God the enemy will come back that's why people they get out of rehab okay they're clean now they're not on drugs anymore okay great they're sober everything and then in a short time they're right back why because it's empty hallelujah you must be filled with something else so the best way to get unaddicted from drugs is to get re-addicted to Jesus this is the addiction that will undo every harmful addiction. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So maybe you can take these points to heart and maybe God will use you to be a blessing to people in your family or in your community. Or maybe you yourself can begin to walk in it. Let's all stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.